0: Listener, podcaster, season two, episode nine. It's the hero's journey of comics. Is this the adventure you've planned for me?
1: Braving the winding
2: road of geekdom. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. Sharing our advice,
0: he believed that his example could inspire. People need dramatic examples
1: to shake them out of apathy.
0: And exposing our mistakes.
1: This is all going to end badly. Everybody has an agenda. Welcome to
2: the Show Me comicast. Welcome back to the Show Me Comic Cast. I'm Tim Pickerell, digital media producer for Show Me Comics. And I'm
0: Jordan Taylor, and I W-R-I-T-E capitalized italics... Blogs for showmecomics.com And I also write comic book scripts That were turned into a graphic novel Called Hafu Which you can pick up for $9.99 At showmecomics.com
1: And I'm Sam Richardson I draw pictures and I color them And I pretend that I am an artist Pretend is right <laughs> Well
0: I hope you can bust out Some of that pretending today Because the episode that we are talking about Is pretty personal To the showmecomics.com crew I mean, we are really going to expose ourselves. We're going to take off our shirts. We're going to show you how much shoulder hair and back hair we have. Because we're really exposing ourselves by saying we are trying to evolve as a crew. And what I mean by that is in the last project we worked on, I wrote the script and on the back end, I acted as editor. But pretty much in between that, Sam, you did the penciling, inking, coloring, lettering, everything up until the editorial process, right? Correct. So recently, Tim said, hey, let me get a piece of that lettering action. That's exactly what
2: I sounded <laughs> like, too.
0: <laughs> pretty much how he said it through Facebook. <laughs> so. So, Tim, it wants to put his toe into the water, and he's gonna say, Ooh, that's cold. And we're like, No, 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 just put your whole foot in. Oh, ooh, that's not too bad. Alright, now go ahead and jump in. Alright. Ah! Ah! Oh my god, let's go! Let's go! No, 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 no. Just stay in the water for a little while. Just. <gasps> ooh, getting acclimated. Alright, not so bad.
2: Now I'm going to warm it up a little more by peeing in the pool.
0: (laughs) So in order for him to pee in the pool, he has to get acclimated. And the pool we're talking about is lettering. Tim wants to do some lettering for our next project that comes after Hafu. So for him to get to that point, the thing about lettering, and we've talked about this before. I mean, The Dark Knight was lettered by Klaus Jensen, and that guy's a master of the comic book world. Do you guys agree? I didn't. It was lettered by him.
1: I thought, it, or inked by him. It was inked by him. Lettering okay. is that, Sorry. that's. I thought that's, he lettered it. That's going the, the damn interesting thing <laughs> about this podcast: is lettering is an art in
0: itself. Lettering is a huge art in itself. Tim, I just sent you an article from Comics Alliance the other day mm-hmm. from, by Chris Sims about lettering. Right. What did you think about that?
2: I thought it was very informative. I uh, have some books about lettering that I had from our first incarnation of Hafu, because I actually did do the lettering on that one.
0: So what books do you have?
2: Uh, One is the DC Guide to Coloring and Lettering. Oh, nice. And the other one was the Comics Craft Guide to Lettering. And that's the other thing I've noticed in some of the comic books that I've been downloading on the iPad. There's not a letterer as a person per se, but there's a lot of lettering by and it's like a company name
0: yeah i i could see that i've heard of that actually
1: they're starting to do that with coloring now also yeah yeah where they put like a studio name or it's uh multiple people it's not just one person that does the coloring <coughs> job it might well, be two or three so they put a like a company or a pseudonym
0: back in the day when image uh, became their own thing after they left Marvel. Didn't they come up with some innovative coloring techniques that they kind of almost sold off? Yeah, you was, know a lot
1: of it was Steve Olaf and uh oh, I cannot think of the name of the company, but for a while they had like a monopoly on digital uh coloring. They did a Absolutely, lot of marbles yeah. and image and uh D.C., of course, was always behind the times <laughs> for a bit <laughs> there. But, yeah, that, that company was uh, rocking it. They were doing a lot of different places. But uh, back to lettering, like I said, lettering is an art in itself. And, you know, there's so many different processes. There's so many people involved with the art side of a comic book. You know, if you work for the uh, the big companies, it's not just one person that does everything, but because we don't have the luxury of having a huge staff for art i tried to take a lot of that on myself and one of the reasons in the beginning why i said ah it's okay i'll color and ink and pencil and do the lettering was i thought it would be to save time you know as whereas i would get a file done i just move on to the next thing hurry up letter it get done and then i realized as i was going along that you can't just rush the lettering no, i always said yeah. that for last because i thought okay hurry up to the lettering on it's like you can't do that at all i was i read a story It was from, uh, it was Jim Lee, you know, and it was like, he was talking about how he's got certain, you know, letters and colorists and inkers that he tries to have on every single project that he does. He tries to keep the exact same ones because they're that good. Like, there's this particular letter that he uses, and unfortunately, I can't think of what the guy's name is, but I mean, it's like, it's that important that he has the same guy for every project that he works on. You know, you don't think about it while you're reading the book, but, uh... The particular font that they use, the style that it's written in, where the word balloons are placed affects how you read the story. It affects how quick that you look at the next picture. Like if you've got two characters trying to one talk over the other, you try to get uh, just a certain impact where that word balloon is placed and how big it is and the fonts that are being used. and the Well, styles. one thing that
0: struck me as a writer was uh, and this really kind of laser pointed in the importance of lettering was... Uh, a scene where somebody's talking like, and then the other character goes, right. like, whispers to cut him off. The writing, like the words that I actually write, dialogue spoken, the mm-hmm. and the they're going to be written the same on the script, right. no matter what, except I'm going to say, and then so and so whispers. When you draw it, their faces aren't necessarily going to portray whispering or talking normal volume. Right. You know what I mean? So when lettering hits, it's a storytelling component. Because now that letterer has to somehow size the font, throw some sort of style on, make the word bloom bigger and the letters smaller. Whatever they have to do to show that this person is talking in a normal volume... This person is talking at a whisper volume. That's a storytelling burden that the letterer has to have. They are not just saying, here comes a white oval, let me cut and paste from the script the dialogue for the white oval, and now I move on.
2: And the other thing that's important is the placement of the word balloon or sound effects in general, because you have to enhance the artwork without covering the artwork. Right.
0: And so I think... The best way, because we're kind of, we said we want to dip the toe into the water. Tim Mm -hmm. is starting out. He's interested in lettering. He wants to dip that toe in. Maybe get it all the way up past the calf. That's what we want to do. We want to get past the calf on this episode. And I think the easiest way to do that is we have Sam, the visual storyteller, myself, the writer, Tim, the potential letterer, and we have a book with us. You guys want to read the title? Writing Writing
2: for Comics with Peter David.
0: You guys didn't do that in unison. Try again. Writing Writing
2: for for Comics comics
1: with with Peter
2: Peter David.
0: David. My favorite part of this, and you can tweet him, Sam, after because we exposed this, is... uh, this picture in the back, I think he follows us, but there's Andy Schmidt back in his glory oh, days. Oh yes, I think his picture he that looks, he has on Twitter is a cartoon of him thinly balding. You know, <laughs> but <laughs> here he looks like he's like he's sixteen years old. He's a gentleman years. and a scholar. Look at that! Yeah, the yeah. 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 yeah.
1: yeah. Absolutely. Look at
0: that fresh-faced. <laughs> so you have to
1: fresh-faced comic guy. We'll have to
0: tweet him this episode, but yeah, he he makes an entry into this book, but. The reason I have this book, Writing for Comics by Peter David, is he has a pretty extensive lettering section. And I thought what might be a good way to get our toe-slash-calf in the water Mm -hmm. is to start with word balloon shapes and font size. Now, you won't be able to see this because it's an audio medium, but maybe we can post some notes. But the main way I want to do it is to just explain what's going on. And Sam, from an artistic uh, perspective say why and when you would use some of these techniques because you've been our letterer so far so sam
1: i think yeah you're in the driver's seat go ahead and take this away well first off let me just say that the job that i've done lettering on our book hafu i think is atrocious and if you would (laughs) like to see how atrocious i'm talking about like you think it can't be that bad go ahead and check it out you can buy a copy for 9.99 plus shipping and handling at showmecomics.com find out for yourself because it might have some good art in it but man some of the lettering i didn't think i did a good job on except i am an artist and i am my own worst critic but that's also why there's people that specialize in this stuff is i can look at this from an art point and talk about how i uh, let's say that there's a, a point in your in your comic book where the character is shouting you know you wouldn't just use a typical you know, oval word balloon with a little tail at the end of it. You know, you might take it and you might make the word balloon be more of like a jagged have jagged edges to it, and have like a lightning bolt that comes down to the character's mouth. The tail—it's amazing how just the the, the the way that the tail can interact off of a word balloon can show that the person's mad or happy, or they're just saying something in a regular tone, or maybe that they're saying it in a really cold way. I've seen some of the. Uh, Uh, Will Eisner Will Eisner did a great job of uh, of using words uh, the dialogue in his books to tell the story and you'd see word balloons like if a character was saying something that was really cold really mean like his word balloons would actually come down and look like little jagged like ice and icicles hanging off of the word balloon
0: let's talk about the shape of the word balloon but uh looking through this can can we start there let's do shape of the word balloon and then font second
1: does that make sense? Right. Uh, like I said, the shape balloon, the shape of the word balloon, can can convey whether the person is mad or they're excited or uh, you know they're just really emotional. But uh, I think beyond just like the sizing of it, it's the the font itself. You know that makes a huge difference. That's something that. Uh, it kind of gets me, as I've seen that these days, because most of your lettering is done digital. It's not like the old days where someone sits down and actually writes it out. Is font uh, style that doesn't necessarily match the tone of the story. Um, imagine like some of those old nineteen sixties and nineteen seventies EC comics where they have Tales mm-hmm. from the Crypt, you know, and you've got this really dark inking and the the lighting's done really low and everything looks really creepy. And then when the person talks, it's done with those comic sans bubbly words it would totally ruin the the story like you would totally lose the atmosphere right. so I mean, just the styling of the fonts and the, the the font that you use how that affects the story so much like i i kind of hate it these days because when you see a comic like you know spider man that's you know meant to be heroic and comic booky you know they've got a certain font that they can use and get away with that it makes sense but then you turn to like you know batman or something that's supposed to be kind of dark and it's the same superhero font and to me it goes that i kind of makes it cartoony it doesn't matter how you know gritty or realistic that the art style was done if you're reading the word balloons and the words are written in that superhero type font you just you lose that feeling it's another one of those things that contributes to the flow of the story and the emotion that you're trying to convey to the reader when you got a font that's totally like in contrast to the story that you're reading or it's the opposite. You just lose the reader. So So since
0: you decided to focus on font first, there's a few different elements on font that I want to talk about. Uh, And there's three of them. Boldness, italics, and size. How does each one of those three categories, what storytelling aspect does that represent? Because I've seen the one where it's like, you took my dog right. for a walk? You know, and it's like dog, you know, is the bold word. Or, hey, I told you not to eat the last chocolate chip cookie, you know.
1: Right. It's, you're trying to stretch. You're just trying to get us across a point. It's like... But whatever. is it always
0: just that, you know, like, can it be used in any different ways? Have you ever seen it to be like, ooh, a new character's name, so it's going to be bold? I mean, are, are there... Other things than just that silly emphasis thing that I just
1: highlighted. Uh, there probably are. That's where I wish we had like a professional letterer that could come in and like talk That's about Me too. That's why we're getting tricks. our calf like in the water. Really, Tim.
2: I always thought when I was looking at lettering, if you're just going bold, bold is, you, you hardly ever see italics in comics. Because okay. uh, I think it has to do with the way comics were printed before. They didn't have... Italics is much of an option. Uh, so the bold is the emphasis on a word, whereas the size of it is the volume that somebody's okay, speaking Okay,
0: I, I got you there. Right. It's kind of like when you're speaking on the Internet, if you put Here's it all, all in caps, caps it right. right. increases that's the size. That's what I was going to get to. A lot of
1: times to me, it's like whenever you send a text message, you know, and you try to convey. I, I like, wish the public at large <laughs> would
0: <was> study lettering <laughs> right. so they would know sarcasm does not come across in Exactly, texting.
1: exactly. When you think about texting it's like if you, you know, capitalize an entire word and you meant it to just stress like, hey, this was important. I wanted you to get this point across but the person you sent it to didn't understand that. They just thought you were yelling at them. And it's the same way whenever people read comic books. In fact, I'm kind of uh, worried that we will get to that point to where the comic book industry looks at it like, hey, it's like texting and then the next thing you know you're seeing.
2: LOL! Yeah, you're seeing it <laughs> you're to get
1: I've seen I've seen LOL in the comic book, so I hope they don't get to the point though that they just try to make it seem hip and cool and modern to take the text balloons and make it just like texting off of a cell phone. That would be horrible. OMG, JK, let's move on. WTF.
0: <laughs> uh, so how about italics?
1: Same. Uh, to okay. me, it's the same thing as making something bold. You're just trying to uh, you're trying to make it stand out from everything else that's the same. If you're trying to stress the importance of uh, you know a particular word or a name that they're saying, uh, I don't know if I have or haven't seen italics used or not. But to me, it's like withdrawing. Why I would use a dark shadow in one place compared to everything else that's light is to make a certain thing stand out. But uh, does it fit the character? You know, I mean, some people, if you've got a character that you wrote that is supposed to be very, you know, monotone and they always talk like this and they never stress anything. If there is a particular, you know, maybe there's a certain word they're saying that you want the reader to get this is important. You have to understand this. But that guy wouldn't deviate from his normal, you know, tone of voice and italic might work better than a bold letter because you don't want the reader to, you know, think that your character that's normally monotone would say this but you're trying to stress this to so use a talk instead of a bold font to make it stick up.
0: All right. So what about size? Is that I had my whispering example? Does that only work for volume? Or does size have any other kind of place when it comes to
1: font? Yeah. See, to me, to me, and again, this could be everybody's different. But, well, uh, to getting, me, size, just getting that calf in the water. Go to and, yeah, to me, size and is more of a volume thing. That's why if everything's in capitals, then you feel like you're being shouted at.
0: Yeah, well, I think in comics everything is capitals anyway, isn't it? Uh, I'm sorry, been, I was going
1: back to the whole text analogy thing.
0: Yeah, but uh, what I mean is size. So does it a whisper? Well, I think one mm-hmm. thing that people don't realize on size is the size of the font is also relative to the size of the word balloon. Right. So if you right. d- drop a font down to four point but you make a word balloon that the edges go right around the top of that four point, it doesn't have the same of the effect as if you have this big, massive word balloon with this lonely four-point font sentence in the middle that's just hanging in empty white space. Right, so sure. if
2: we were to put that into a practice, how I would interpret that, let's say you have the four-point, but the word ballooned, hugs the words pretty closely mm-hmm. i would think that the character is talking from far away okay and then if it was smaller with like say the 30 pixels of padding around it or how yeah. much that's a whisper
0: that's very uh, interesting i didn't think about distance within the frame sam in that book does peter david give any examples of uh
1: those differences that we just talked about Basically, according to Peter David's book, by dropping the point size significantly but keeping the balloon size normal, the vast area of white space conveys the idea that your speaker is speaking in sort of a strangled voice, barely able to get the words out. The smaller you can get the letters and still have it be legible, the more effective this technique is. So, so. does that
0: mean the word balloon size is effort and the font size is content? So like, you know, when he said strangled.
2: mm mm-hmm. Strangle goes for a whisper, too. It's like, right, it's being restrained. It's being (laughs) restrained. I'm I'm cutting back. So maybe the smaller words with the smaller word balloon would be a whisper then. That's got to be a one
0: thing. Instead of. No, that's a good thing to know. Does he have any in there that are smaller font size but close cropped word balloon around it? Let's see. That is what I am looking. Because for. Because that right. was really interesting what Tim said about that being a far away tactic, and I think that's an or excellent maybe that's point. just going
2: to be my own technique. And I'm if that's try your own technique, that. I
0: think it makes a lot of sense because you know, the size of the person gets smaller and their features get smaller as they're in the background. Now, so why wouldn't the same thing happen to the
1: right. word balloon? Right. Now, an interesting technique for just whispering, not a restrained whisper like we talked about with the big word balloon, is to have a normal-sized word balloon with normal size fonts but make the word balloon be made out of dots and hyphens. Oh, yeah, I think I did see that. So the whisper that is with the broken lines around the word balloon, that conveys, and it's... I guess I didn't think about that. That's almost a universal rule in comic books, too, that someone is. They're Interesting. in a softer voice. That goes back to Scott McCloud's understanding comics. Most comics fans come in with this
0: lingo that tells them about it. Now, let's use that to transition us into word balloon shape, because okay. that's what Sam just said. And necessarily the shape didn't change, but the border changed. But, Sam, I saw you also add on that page a distressed word balloon. I don't know if he says that, but it's the one where it looks like it breaks the bottom, like... Like the word balloon was too heavy and it started piercing. Yeah, that one right there
1: on the right. The, uh, the frosted balloon that actually stands for sarcasm. Let me see. Which one are you talking about?
0: That one. Okay, so you see that. Oh, that's perfect example because I also have we just reviewed Mouse, the graphic novel by Art Spiegelman, and take a look on page one eighty three at this panel. What does that do?
1: All right, he's sensing sarcasm. It's got the word balloon with the uh, broken, jagged lines. He has a word balloon that's,
0: what did he call it? The frosted frosted balloon. A frosted balloon, which means like icicles hang off the bottom. (laughs) And in this character, you know, uh, the dad is being a real pain in the neck, and the son says, thanks a lot, which clearly he doesn't mean thank you. He means this is bullcrap. Aha. And if you look at the word balloon, I called it distressed, but I guess frosted is a better thing. It's sarcasm. Interesting to see in Peter David's book, same thing. So I maybe, as a reader, lack that deep understanding of lettering, but as a letterer, you have to have that. So
2: isn't that pretty interesting? Yeah, and I think as a reader, you'll intuitively pick that up. Oh, yeah, it highlights Without having that book as a legend just
0: by seeing the fact that this word balloon is different from the others and also
2: the thanks is bolded
0: absolutely sam do you agree
1: yeah totally
2: that
0: you kind of pick up and by do you agree i'm not just going to for him to say (laughs) (laughs) i'm going for him to say well yeah i could see how a reader that didn't read peter david's book would see that as different do you agree
1: yeah totally
0: (laughs) all right with the frosty word balloon all right, so what other kind of ones other the heart one's stupid let me just <laughs> tell you that one <laughs> straight up. What else did you see or that you, as a letter of our comic did with shape? I can think of one that I, as a writer on a script I just did played with shape
1: there's a there's a dance contest in the beginning uh, I don't know if there's so much playing with shape, but uh. It's just the characters are all talking on top of each other. Like they're trying to explain something, but she's arguing over them and they're saying something and she's trying to. Yeah, I love that part. So I actually had the word balloons. (laughs) I had the word balloons actually crossing over the top of each other. So it wasn't just like next to each other or this. Like actually, as they're talking, the word balloon is superimposed on top of the next one.
0: You know, in that Chris Sims article that I sent you, Tim, it really highlighted some excellent. Lettering where a word balloon, the right-hand side of it, was cut off by a shutting door.
2: Right, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So it showed that the person who was speaking was on one side of this door that was cutting off speaking, and by drawing the word balloon in that way, it was like, in a movie, you would get, I can't believe you got my wife (laughs) pregnant. And the door shuts, you know what I mean? Um, But it created that same effect, even though you could read the whole thing. It was just by clipping the side of that oval but sam you're saying that same kind of thing by letting one oval of a word balloon kind of cut off the top of another one it showed that hey that's my mother no i bought that No, and then they keep talking over each other same thing right so that's pretty important as a letterer tim you've got your work cut out for you you are taking notes you don't get to just do that um, okay, so the the thing I'll say is writing wise, what I did recently, when it came to, you know, I'm trying to write my scripts more comic book like, not because I think that there'll be any better storytelling wise, but because I think I just need to practice my craft a little bit more. So I wrote a page of a script that said, uh, you know, had people speak in dialogue, and then I specifically said, and then the TV. Anchor that's on the TV says blah, 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 and that is contained in a spiky word balloon that comes out of the TV speaker. Sam, does that jive with a comic reader's expectation that you would have circular or oval-shaped word balloons from people that are in a room, and then the TV that's in the same room makes a spiky word balloon? Yeah, to look like a lightning bolt so that you convey that it's it's... An electronically generated noise. Um, But, you know, I was just able to think of that, I guess, based on the fact that I've read enough comics, but uh, I just wanted to check with you, does that jive with what the average comic reader would see it as?
1: Yeah, I think it's one of those universal things, kind of like the broken line around the the whisper box. Uh,
0: And I guess that just highlights there are those universal things that you as a letterer have to think about. Um, Because it would be, to an average comic reader, if something came out of a walkie-talkie or a radio or a TV and it was a perfect oval, that'd be a little confusing, wouldn't it?
2: Yeah, it'd look like... I mean, it wouldn't
0: be super jarring, but it would be a little bit like...
2: it looked like the walkie-talkie had a voice of its own.
0: Yeah, or especially if it's off-panel, it'd be like, ooh, who's the new person that entered the room? Yeah. And then you got cut to the TV, and the TV's picking up the dialogue that left off from that circular or that oval-shaped word blend. And you're like, oh, weird. Was that a TV, or was that a new—I don't know. What's going on?
2: Okay, we're going to take a second here to talk about our sponsor, Audible.com, and you visit audibletrial.com slash showmecomics. You can start your 30-day free trial and download your free audio book. The book that I'm going to recommend today is actually not as much of a book as a performance based on a book. One of the reasons I wanted to get into lettering is because of a little comic known as Sandman by Neil Gaiman, which has amazing lettering. And Neil Gaiman wrote a book called Neverwhere. And there is a performance piece on Audible.com of Neil Gaiman's Everywhere with an all star cast narrated by Christopher Lee, who you might know as Saruman from Lord of the Rings, James McAvoy, who is young Professor Xavier, Natalie Dormer, who is currently on Game of Thrones, Anthony Head, better known as Giles, on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It is an all star cast. And last but not least, Khan and Smog himself, Benedict Cumberbatch. Wow. So definitely pick that up. It's uh, definitely worth a listen to. Or use use your credit for something else and get it for only $9.85. All
0: right. Well, I think what we've done here is we've broken the tip of the iceberg, which was the point because we were trying to say Tim is going to jump in that cold water and go, (laughs) and know that, oh, man, he has a lot of warming up to do. Uh, so what we kind of focused on was the idea that you can go out and you can learn about two things. You can learn about fonts when it comes to the actual written word, and you can also learn about the shape and size of the balloon. Those are two great places to start, and you really have to build up your vocabulary, and vocabulary means size and shape right? as it applies to font and balloon, which is totally different than whatever a writer has to do or whatever a traditional... You know, artist who's creating objects—you know, like backgrounds and figures and stuff like that—has to do. Um, Final thoughts, Tim and Sam.
2: All I know is I'm looking forward to doing some lettering on the next project. I could let you start on this one now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One final thought for me that I want to kind of convey is um, there's a really interesting tutorial online if you just Google it. Uh, it's Scott McCloud actually showing you how to letter in Illustrator. Okay. But what I think is the most valuable thing about what I learned about what Scott McCloud was saying was do not. when Because you, you have that ellipse drawing tool mm-hmm. that makes the perfect oval, right? Right. He said that perfect oval does not look good in comics. Hmm. And if you just Google the video, what he'll show you is like this kind of squashing technique. And after I watched that video, I picked up an episode of, funnily enough, Spongebob that my kids had. Had really good... It You could tell it was digitally lettered if you really paid attention, but it had a hand-drawn quality. Okay. Then I picked up an episode of Mouse Guard by Arkea, which is a, supposed to be a really good you know comic book. Uh, highly praised. And when I looked at it, it, after watching that Scott McLeod video, jarring, you know, super perfect ovals with this super perfect triangle coming out of it. That looks, it, it did not have that squashed quality that he talks about in this video. So please, as you're getting that toe, you're getting that calf in the water, go look that up and he will show you an illustrator, how to kind of make that squashed feeling, Like I said, we just reviewed the graphic novel, Mouse, which was hand-drawn and hand-lettered by Art Spiegelman. If you look, these word balloons have that kind of squashed quality. They're not perfect ovals. They're almost like rectangles with a rounded side. Mm You guys feel me on that? Sammy, you feel me on that? Yeah. And my point is there's a way to achieve that digitally with computer tools. You don't have to go with that perfect oval because a lot of times that perfect oval has useless space in abundance at either side.
2: Yeah, that's one of the things that I ran into the first incarnation of Hafu way back when.
0: Absolutely. And if you, like I said, Google that Scott McLeod video, he'll show you how to squash that. No pun intended. All right. <laughs> Actually, pun intended. It's just <laughs> not a very good comedian. Um, so. Let's say you train your biceps Blood is rushing into your muscles
1: And that's what we call the pump Your muscles get a really tight feeling Like your skin is going to explode any minute You know, It's really tight It's like somebody blowing air into, into your muscle It just blows up And it feels different It feels fantastic
0: We have to come up with some forced reps for you Let's do a writing one and an artistic one
2: Based on lettering?
0: Tim and I will put our heads together Okay All right, I've got it. Oh, well, okay. All right. What I want you to do is I want you to write a script, and in this script you have to describe word balloon shape and size and font shape and size. Okay. There's a reason for it. You have two characters that are trying to avoid a patrolling guard. One character is a normal person that's really scared, and the other character has Tourette's. Okay, and says the most random stuff at the most random volumes and cannot help it. And I want you to write the conversation between the two and the action that takes place with them trying to avoid these guards and emphasize word balloon shape font size. I think from an artistic point of view what you could do is just practice with different shapes. Yeah. So basically take one line of dialogue take I'm super tired, write it in a spiky word balloon, write it in a round word balloon, a rectangular word balloon, so on and so forth, to come up with as many shapes as you can think, and then sit there and analyze what the what is the feeling.
2: Take a scene from your favorite movie and just figure out what the shapes of the dialogue
0: yeah, would be. That's a great idea. One scene from a movie and and think... Do they all have the same shape? Do they not? And, you know, if you guys come up with different shapes, send them to us at showmecomics.com and let us know what they're like. We'll
2: highlight them. We'll post them in our articles. So on behalf of... Myself, Jordan, and Sam, we're Show Me Comics, wishing you the best in your creative endeavors. And if you enjoy the show, please subscribe on iTunes. Give us a rating and a review.
0: And if you want to see me flopping about in writing style in really cold water where I can't keep my head up and I'm drowning... Check out my blogs at showmecomics.com and also the script that I wrote that was turned into a graphic novel named Hafu. You can pick up for $9.99 plus shipping and handling at showmecomics.com.
1: And uh, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash novel, And if you're on Twitter, follow us at showmecomics.